worked at Arby's and uh, I was cleaning the meat cutter, the blade, the machine uh, at the end of the day and they uh, uh, forgot to tell me about the metal glove. The what? Metal glove you wear when you're cleaning the blade. Oh. Five blood infections, two bone infections, gangrene. They just cut the finger off. They were going to just take the arm off immediately. Hey, my name is Billy Dack, and I'm a restaurateur obsessed with what it takes to create the most memorable meals ever. Having come up working almost every position in the business, I've seen how there are usually hundreds of details that need to be orchestrated perfectly to satisfy the highest of expectations among all those that food brings together. This mix in chemistry, or lack thereof, makes for mind-blowing storytelling about more than just what's on the plate. So in each episode, with a unique and unforgettable guest, we will discuss the power of food, the importance of coming together for meals, and unravel, explore, and discover a life-changing dining experience that has forever impacted lives. This is the Meal of Your Life Podcast. All right, super exciting day. Today, we were once again named the best city in the world for food <laughs> and meal experiences. I might have blown that up a little bit. But yes, it did come up in Bon Appetit, so it's perfect that I am interviewing the mayor of Chicago, Rahm Emanuel. Not only about the city landscape and what it takes to create an amazing city and food scene, but also, I just think he's an amazing character. I mean, if you know Rahm Emanuel, he is uh, definitely unique <laughs> and, and a fantastic, hardworking uh, person that really takes food and exercise and work and improving the city very seriously. And so this is a great look at his professional but also personal life. And speaking of personal life, I always thought it was really cool that <laughs> Ari from Entourage, uh, that character was based on his brother Ari, and so you get to hear stories about um, him and his brothers kind of coming up, and uh, I think you'll enjoy this. Um, anyway, here he is, uh, Mayor Rahm Emanuel. Can't believe we scheduled this on the day that Chicago was named best restaurant city in the nation. I know, isn't that really, it's so, I haven't yet to see, I got told about it. Yeah. I mean, I was running between uh, one summer Chicago announcement yeah. for our 31,000 kids that got to have jobs to the uh, un- anniversary for the, the Pablo Picasso. And then he said, oh, bon appetit. And uh, on top of Condé Nast, you know, like the hottest restaurant city in America. What's bigger than those two? And why do you think that is? Why do you think we well, pulled away think, with it? No, I think it's all the, first of all, I think, I really do think uh, it's all the chefs. Yeah, um, and it's when you go through. I don't think this is unique to us, but I think we nurture it, uh, which is the chefs that worked for a premier chef now have their own venue. It's not, not that it's ever cheap, but I don't think the price point like New York or LA to start your own restaurant is not so prohibitive. I do think that uh, bringing in uh, the James Beard Award dinners helped put a spotlight on Chicago. Yeah, don't you think? I, I mean, I, do I think we would have gotten both of those recognitions without it? Yes. Do I think it would have happened this soon? No. Right. And so that, and then just all the creativity. And he, there's a, two other points I would say. One is like theater, like the city as a whole, like the tech community, we really do have a good community. You know, we have sub-communities, and when you look at the camaraderie between our different uh, chefs, uh, supporting each other and kind of sense of the mission. Uh, we have a culture here of, while there's competition, it's done in a, a kind of a com- uh, friendly competition community. Nobody's rooting for somebody else to fail. Right. And then the last thing I would say is, you know, Chicago sits at the cross currents of the world. I don't, 
I'm not just being, well, I think we're an international city. We are dead center in the middle of the United States that has a reach across the Atlantic and Pacific in a way that neither New York or LA does. And so you can bring people of different uh, um, faiths. You're at kind of the closest of farm to table. And so you can bring those flavors and do them in a way that mixes cultures in a very unique way. What about um, Chicago Gourmet? I imagine that probably had something to do with it too. Well, I, mean, I should probably should have said that. That's a, a yeah. fair, without a doubt, Chicago Gourmet. I think this, look, I mean, I hope to all the chefs and restaurateurs in the city, this is, uh, they wear this badge with a great distinct honor. It's one thing to win one of these, or one of these recognitions, to win them uh, both Condé Nest and Bon Appetit in the same year, um, uh, you know, that's a real recognition for what's happening in the city and the dynamic part of our culinary scene. As mayor, are there things that you are doing behind the scenes to keep that in mind? Because would you say that having a thriving restaurant industry in your city contributes to growth? Oh, without, you know, it's interesting you say that uh, one of the things that came to me, everybody, you know, the, when I got here, our visitors uh, industry was all built on McCormick Place and Business Traveler, totally. Yeah. And then kind of like a standard fare in restaurants. Um, and the transformation in Chicago, and what I try to do is build a tourism industry. So you may come here on a Thursday night for business, but you decide to have your partner or your spouse, loved one, come join you for a weekend. And you know, you'll stay Thursday over to your Friday, and then you're gonna take the weekend out and go take a game in, mm -hmm. music, Hamilton, whatever, theater, whatever you want to do. And it's not an accident that um, Chicago's hotels offerings have become more boutique-ish. Chicago's restaurant scene has gone really uh, wild and through in multiple neighborhoods. It's not like a river north downtown experience anymore. The neighborhood, not that it was never not this, but the amount of, I mean, where was I the other day? I was in Pilsen opening up a Vietnamese restaurant. I mean, give me, I mean, so it's really changing and so that I think, and then what we're trying to do and what I was originally trying to say is what is new to me is I know that people want to come in for plays, games, music. I did not realize how much there was of tourists that just go to a city because of culinary. So here are the four restaurants we want to knock out this weekend. I had no idea. We're going to get a huge wave after Bon Appetit calls it the best restaurant in the city. What are some food challenges that you come across as a mayor? What do you mean? I don't know. Are there things oh, where you're... That we only have one. First of all, I have no dietary restrictions. I don't have any things. But that here, I'll, it's, this is the only restriction I have. <laughs> is this personal I, or you mean... Totally. Oh, okay. Totally, totally personal. Oh, okay. We're, we're, we're on personal. Because I, I was actually talking about... about mayor? As, as mayor, like, are you, do you wrestle with like... Like food deserts, or oh, like trying to no. uh, attract certain business, but that's not for me. Food to do. trucks, no, that's not. Like, like, I, we worked through that. Yeah. I mean, before I was mayor, we had this big standoff, and we didn't. You know, other cities had these food trucks going for three years. Yeah, we I think worked through an issue in a way that worked for everybody. Why were we the la why were we the last group? No, oh, please, I have no idea. <laughs> but whatever, I mean, it was just a typical. Uh, nobody could see the bigger uh, picture, mm -hmm. and once. Nothing's ha hurt since I've done the food trucks and I, all the fear, fear, fear. Bon appetit. Yeah. You know, uh, you've got Condé Nest. 
Right. You got the James Beard Award. Right. So it dealt, the food trucks did not destroy right. the restaurant business. I felt like that was happening okay. when they were talking about uh, getting rid of smoking in restaurants. Yeah, Everyone yeah. was like, no, it's going to kill everything. So the funny thing is, um, I thought this is what you meant. No, I want to hear, what are your personal? No, the only research. So I love, I'm like avid reader all the time of a new restaurant. Right. And I have like a list of things and people send me stuff, etc. Amy, when you find something new, it takes her, it takes me like, I gotta convince her we're gonna do this. <laughs> we do it, and then, oh, you know, it's like, I wouldn't say a fight, but she doesn't like new, likes to go to tried and true. Yeah. But once she finds a new that she likes, then that becomes the tried and true, and she doesn't wanna try anything else. So it's like, <laughs> every, uh, so I like got a list. So how do you pitch it? I, you know, well, if we're going to this, a play tonight, you know, there's a new restaurant not far, mm. Which is not a never truthful. It's always <laughs> <laughs> that is like she, know, she goes. We're yeah. going in separate cars. That is not true. Yeah, yeah. I know that's not so. But she right now I'm on a roll <laughs> where she'll she'll go with it, and I'll send her a, what what write up I had or what recommendation right. uh, um, that I had. Like Steve Dolinsky gives me stuff a lot a lot of time. He'll yeah. uh, like, and then she'll go. What neighborhood is this? And I so. But that's our like. That's the biggest traction. I'm always like, uh, checked it. We done that. We want to let's go somewhere else. Yeah. Not possible. She wants you. Once she finds something she likes and pleasantly surprised, let's well let's go back there. I go no. Let's go somewhere right. else. And then we have this 20 minute deal. My business partner. Welcome like, to my marriage. I just yeah. now I probably said more than I should. No. Speaking of your marriage, uh -huh. <laughs> what <laughs> are um, let's talk about other things. Yeah. In your marriage. Yeah. No. What um, what are some of your favorite foods? Well, I like spicy food, so that's number one. I do like. Uh, you say that with a lot of conviction and no, I grew and up passion. With, I grew up, um, you know, my good part of my childhood in the Middle East in Israel, and so I like spicy food. I like foods uh, with natural spice as much as what you put in them. Um, I'm a big uh, vegetable eater. Um, love, you know, I can eat what would be considered a Mediterranean salad, right. I can eat that for breakfast. So, um, and in some parts, sometimes in Israel, that's what they serve for breakfast. How long did you grow up there? No, every summer, 67, every summer. 68, 69, 70, 71, 73, the whole summer was in Israel. With the family? Yeah. What were meals like there? Uh, violent. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you mean just amongst the family no, no, or just no. sort of in general? Either, nothing sits, man. You got three boys yeah. growing up. It's a little rambunctious, so. And then, but I like, um, but I like vegetables. Um, I like uh, stuff that's uh, simply grilled. Um, I like things with a, a, a bold uh, bite to it. Yeah. Um, and uh, that may explain not just spice, but anything that's kind of got a, a, a subtle is not my uh, flavor. And from a cultural perspective, coming from there, what was the meal routine like? In the Mideast? Yeah, coming together, or just with your family here, uh, well, with that all, sort of a background. I mean, I've well, heard you many times talk about being from a family of immigrants and no, bringing a lot yeah. of these traditions. Well, and let me just. Things. Well, first of all, we are uh, we were when the kids were growing up. We got a little. The last Friday night we did it. We did it the other night when we were in Michigan. Um, we we try to make a habit um, of our family. Uh, four nights a week, we eat dinner as a family. We did it last night. Uh, we did it uh, Sunday night. Uh, no, not Sunday night, we did it uh, Friday night. So we try to do that. In and out of the uh, house? 
Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. As long as doesn't matter but like last night, we did, tonight, even though it's for my niece's birthday, we'll be eating as a family together. Uh, and so we tried to do that. Second is growing up, um, dinner was, you know, where you have to get prepared for. Telling. No, it was just like one giant argument, man, all the time, everything. And now the other thing that you think of like my parents and us, mm -hmm. uh, the first eight years uh, of growing up, my grandmother on my father's side lived with us. Um, then a, uh, a cousin. Mm -hmm. So look, here's my childhood. We had a grandmother live with us for eight years, a set of gra a grandparents live us, with us for two years. We had a foster child live with us for two years. We had a cousin live with us for a year and a half. An uncle lived with us for about two years. It, it was not a nuclear family. That was number one. Number two is uh, dinner was about arguing, about politics, current oh, really? events. Yeah, arguing, and in a healthy way. And not, not like you're it's screaming, and, but, um, and then. Even across the board, or was it parents mostly, no, my, or the my kids? Parents, my parents or made the kids engage in adult conversation. You were not allowed to have a, there was never a kid's table. The idea mm -hmm. that kids will sit over here and adults will sit over there was not allowed. Kids sat with adults, interspersed all the conversation, and you were required, and I mean required, and if you weren't participating, a question got, then got directed at you to force you to engage in the whole thing. And how did you compare with your other two brothers? I know you're going to find this. I'm the middle child. I was the quiet one. <laughs> I, and <laughs> your, your one brother is Ari, and then the other brother is uh, Ezekiel. And he... he MD, doctor. Right. So I would imagine he would be the quiet one. No. And, but he was. Because you're pretty he, communicative these he, days. He was. Well, I broke out of my shell. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but he was very loud and he was the eldest. Uh, and Ari was working through a lot of other issues. So I was the quiet <laughs> one. Like, and we also had chores at the dinner. So Zeke made it, uh, set the table. Ari cleaned the table after dinner. And I would wash the dishes and the, and the pots and pans. And, right. and we had assignments. And those were your assignments. Any cooking? Uh, Zeke got more to it than anybody else. I'm not, that's not my deal. I've done a couple dishes. I like making those dishes, but Zeke's like, Zeke's also a giant foodie. Yeah. Giant foodie. Um, Where does he live? Uh, or what? DC, Philadelphia. So do East you Coast. compare, you're going to throw this in his face a little bit, like let him know that Chicago just won right, some award? Don't worry, that's already been emailed to Oh, and brother. to your other brother. Yeah, I've, I've had, I, when, when. Condé Nast wrote up that Chicago replaced LA yeah. as the most best restaurant city. That's a big one. I said, yeah. That's a that's, big one. I, I told I already eat his heart up. You know what LA always bragged about too was that they had this uh, they amazing. They have <laughs> But they always said that their um, their immigrant food was so diverse and oh, so please. Uh, please. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Give me a break. It's, you just, it's foo -foo. You just dominated your two brothers no, today it's just again. Foo, it's just foo foo. Yeah. No. But you know what? It's interesting uh, about Zeke that. Zeke and I had a bet. Yeah. And uh, so we'll say this. So we had a bet about health care under Trump, what would happen. Um, and uh, it was, and I, I won. He doesn't think I won, but I won. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and um, that said, uh, the bet was a, a meal at a restaurant of the uh, winner's choice, and the loser had to pay. Which will be where? In Chicago or DC? It's no, it's Chicago. I told Chicago, him, sure. I, first of all, he wanted Chicago, mm -hmm. Mr. Foodie. Okay? That's good. So he, knew, he knows that if you're going to eat a good meal, you come to Chicago. Interesting that the dinner 
Well, what, what, is, what about you? Didn't your family have like it wasn't dinner? A big well, hold deal? on. This is this uh, this is my podcast. Yeah. <laughs> hold on. Why do I have what, to go on the couch? But one question. How much am I paying for this? Do, <laughs> do you take Blue Cross? Go Blue ahead. Seal? Ask me a question. No, go ahead. Okay. No, I think it's interesting that your dinner routine prepared you for your life professionally. Not just personally, but professionally. Like you, you I'd imagine well, being very communicative, well, arguing. First of all, dinner prepared me for being a father. Yeah. Um, engaging on my kids and stuff like that was dinner was one key part of it, and uh, I would never have said that being uh, in public life was in my um, future. Although all my friends from school, high school, and grade school, they said, "Well, it was natural. That's what you were interested." In. But I never knew it. Yeah until I had this summer internship once. Speaking of high school jobs, you worked in the restaurant industry. <laughs> That's one way to look at it, yeah. <laughs> you did. Yeah. And that is where... I gave told, it all. <laughs> you did. So <laughs> You did. You did give yourself up to the job. Yeah. Tell so, me about it. Tell uh, me. So you worked at Arby's? I worked at Arby's the summer. All right, so towards the end of the school year, my senior year in high school, I was Make, trying to make money for college. Mm -hmm. And uh, I worked at Arby's and uh, I was cleaning the meat cutter, the blade, the machine, uh, at the end of the day, at the night. And they uh, uh, forgot to tell me about the metal glove. The what? Metal glove you wear when you're cleaning the blade. Oh. And so I was cleaning the base of the machine and I just wipe, put my hand this way and cut it severely. Yeah, and just that, yeah. Well, you don't really, I mean, there's a, so I'll be quick. Five blood infections, two bone infections, gangrene. And you just cut the finger off. And there was a piece of meat stuck underneath, yeah. You know, in fact, uh, a nurse saved not only my life, but my arm. Really? They were going to just take the arm off immediately. Someone in your family was a butcher. My grandfather. Yeah. Well, so Which when is interesting. We, when we grew up, this is Grandpa Herman who came to Chicago, really kind of set, brought the whole family to Chicago from Moldova. One of the things uh, Grandpa Herman, uh, so he was a truck, he's a truck driver, he used to play poker, grew on the Lawndale community, west side, Russian, Eastern European Jewish, uh, was a truck driver, ends up winning Scandinavian meets in a poker game. Uh, it was a meat uh, business here in Chicago. Okay. Wins it in a poker game. Is a horrible businessman. Runs it to the ground. Call it a year, year and a half later. Loses it in a poker game. He's out of a job, out of a business. The winner of the poker game gives him a job as a truck driver for Scandinavian Meats. When Grandpa is living with us, he used to, we had downstairs in the basement, our freezer. Not just the freezer upstairs and in the refrigerator, but in the basement was our freezer. And bottom shelf was, it's the, it was the old white paper with the black pen. Yep. SKT, skirt. Uh, uh, SRL was sirloin. Uh, skirt, sirloin. Uh, HMB was hamburger. And then I forgot what was the fourth. Probably. Shelf fourth. But we always, Grandpa was insistent. We have a, and I don't mean, and this is totally serious. Grandpa Herman, we always had a half a cow downstairs in the freezer. Never went below it. And every shelf had its shelf. 
whenever it was that we got down to a certain point that he thought was, he would just deliver. It was wrapped in a white paper with a black pen, like you would go to the butcher, SKT, SRL, HMB. I can't believe I cannot remember. I'm laughing, by the way, because what? my grandfather yeah. came from Poland, was a butcher, uh -huh. and he had that same situation, but like sausages. Oh, really? Different types of sausages. Yeah, we had it downstairs. And so, well, I'll give you, okay, now this is really, you know, I am supposed to put, so one thing, I do a podcast called uh, Chicago Stories. I'm going to have to invite you back yes. because you're going to talk about your family and your Polish background, etc. Filipino Polish. Chicago Stories. So, uh, and last week we did the two cultural historians about the Picasso. We did the guys that did the Haymarket Bear. We did uh, uh, Michael Brewer. We did uh, Shakespeare. Uh, Barbara Gaines there just to run through, but so uh, when they lived with us, now my you wouldn't look at this. This is my grandfather on my mother's side. He was six four, former boxer, and there's a Yiddish word called starka. He was a big, and I mean a big man. And on Saturdays, he would always get up at four thirty in the morning. Doesn't matter any day, seven days a week. Saturdays, you went downstairs. He'd be futzing around, uh, messing around in the kitchen in his boxer underwear, his tank top t-shirt, a pair of knee-high socks with uh, slippers slash uh, whatever the shoes were. He'd make a full dozen eggs and four skirt steaks and then a loaf of bread. And then he had a big orange juice. Those were the days you had the mm -hmm. orange juice in the cans. Yeah. He'd just take the top off, put the 10 ice cubes in it, and that's what he drank. And then he would just, you'd walk down and you start your Saturday with, I don't know how many eggs, but it was just one giant dozen eggs and scrambled eggs. And you would have eggs, steak, toast. And that's how you started your day on Saturdays, like clockwork. And then he, and then he would just, having drunk, just belch in your face and hit you. And that's all it was. <laughs> that's all it was. Just a giant guy. The last grandpa, part I did yeah. not. I yeah. did not expect the last part coming. That's well. That's Grandpa Herman. Belching hit you. He just smack you. And that was how we talked to you. And here's a guy, four, fifth, fourth grade education. You came down to that table. He was always reading a book. Really? Always. Yeah. Always reading a book. And he had like a fourth or fifth grade education. What's your Saturday routine now? Uh. It's, I'm working off the steak, so I'm doing yoga for an hour. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then uh, just whatever the office tries to have for me, but I, here. What's your morning routine? You don't, I'm like a, I'm like a. It's okay. crazy. All right, Monday, oh. I swim a mile, and then I do a one hour yoga. Tuesday, I swim a mile, today, and I do a 20 to 30 minute uh, wait with a trainer. Tomorrow, I'll do 35 minutes on the stationary bike and then wait. Thursday, I'll go back to swim a mile and do weights with my trainer. Friday, I'll do elliptical for 35 minutes in the trainer, and then Saturday and Sunday, one private yoga. And wow, wow. And, and what's your just, eating program paired with that? Well, I'm changing my eating uh, right now. I'm in the middle of it. Um, and uh, I'm gonna be a little more careful about uh, liquor, sweets, and whites. You do. I just cut them. You did? Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm, right now, sweets and whites. Okay, I'm, I'm in. I'm in <laughs> Just I would still say, doing yeah, I'm in week one, mm -hmm. and then you actually notice the difference. It's surprising. Yeah. Can okay. I ask you one last question, yeah. which is the whole thing? Yeah, sure. Your most memorable meal. Well, that's not. It's called the meal of your life. Now, Just, by food or by argument? I'm going to give you this whole, I'm going to give you one memorable thing. 
Great. This could tell you everything you need to know. Uh, we're in the dining room that leads right into the kitchen. Grandpa's there. This is our house, our apartment here, as known on Broadway. Grandpa, uh, Grandma, um, Mom, Dad, the kids, everybody. My mother and my, her father, my grandfather, are having a, it was a Friday night Sabbath dinner, Shabbat dinner, a violent argument about Wallace at 68, 67, 68. We, my dad takes all the boys out for, to walk the dog because it's really one of these giant arguments. And we asked our dad, because remember it's 67, so you gotta, you'll see if you know your history. And I just remember this as clear as day. Who is Wallace? And in 1967, my dad explains to us, Henry Wallace in 48 had broken from the Democratic Party and ran as an independent. And my grandfather was the ultimate Roosevelt Jewish Democrat. And if you broke from the Democratic Party, you were persona non grata. And my mother supported Henry Wallace. And you would have thought in 68, uh, it was about George Wallace. It was about 1948, 20 years later, and they were still having an argument about whether Henry Wallace was right to break from the It is the most memorable meal I could tell. And it's, it's, I don't even know, it was Shabbat, so there was a challah, you know, there was the candles, there was a the wine, there was chicken or probably a roast beef. And it was a screaming match. But you don't remember the food. You just I have no idea. Who, who could you? You were scared for your life. My grandfather was a huge man. And he was banging on the table. My grandfather was a socialist. He supported Roosevelt because Roosevelt opposed Hitler. And then became a Democrat. And 20 years after Henry Wallace broke from the party, he and my mother went at it as if it was just yesterday. How did it end? My mother threw my grandfather out of the house. And he said, I'm not leaving. She says, this is my house. And I get at that. Well, she says some other things, but what I'm not going to say right now. <laughs> but we came back from walking the dog, and they were at it, toe-to-toe, -to -toe, screaming at each other. That was a family dinner. That's all you got to know. <laughs> the rest, you can understand now. It all comes together. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Billy. Very cool. That was man. fun. All right, my thanks to the mayor. Uh, you can catch him at Rahm Emanuel. Uh, also check out his podcast, Chicago Stories. I guess I'm gonna be a guest very soon, which I'm really excited about. Um, and thank you all for tuning in. I really appreciate you. As always, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes and Stitcher. And keep spreading the news, especially on social. Tag me, I really would love to hear from you. It's just at Billy Deck on everything, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, you name it. I'm there for you, and as always, keep spreading the word, keep giving me feedback. Uh, I will continue to push and bring great stories to you. Thanks so much.